So if you have your copy of God's Word, let's turn to Romans chapter 12 together for our launch off point tonight. Romans 12. We'll read the first two verses as we conclude this series on wonderfully made, learning what it means to be human. Uh, We're looking again at this theme that to be fully human uh, is to be restored in Christ. Um, And I think this this passage tonight will, will, will give us a direction, not just in thinking in terms of the redemption that Christ has won for us so that he redeems us both soul and body, but how does that work its way out so that we experience the benefits of redemption in our daily lives? But before we read these verses together, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this evening. Um, Already the the great joy that we've had in singing your praise and hearing of your work uh, through your people uh, in all sorts of places. Uh, Lord, we do pray now that you would speak to us through Holy Scripture. Grant us your spirit, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we, as we come to the end of this series on what it means to be human, we, we've been trying to trace this theme through the kind of a biblical worldview or a biblical framework of creation, fall, and redemption. Um, and so by way of creation, we've seen our initial design as, as body-soul beings, differentiated as, as male and female, made in God's Im- image and given blessed vocations in God's good world. And, and yet because of our, our parents' sin, our first parents sin, we, we, we know the effects of the fall. We experience them in our lives. Our, our bodies and souls, our, our desires and actions, our, our individual lives, our families, our, our larger networks, all are entangled in the web of sin and experience corruption and contagion, guilt and shame. The good news is that God doesn't leave us there. He's determined to restore and redeem that which sin has corrupted. Through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, he has and he will redeem us body and soul, rescuing us from the punishment we deserve and restoring his image in us through our promised resurrection from the dead. But I don't don't want us to walk away from what we heard last time and somehow think that this, this redemption that comes to us body and soul is, is somehow merely located in God's heavenly courtroom when God declares us to be right, justifies us, pardons us, accepts us, redeems us, and, and that's all there is. Nor do we want to simply see the redemption that Christ has won for us, the restoration he, he expects to perform in us uh, and upon us, is simply awaiting a, a final day, the promised resurrection from the dead. Now, God is determined to restore us in the present, not perfectly, but really, to really restore us. Churches I grew up in, we, we used to talk about this a lot. 
I find in our circles, we don't use these words very often. Words like consecration or conformity or Christ-likeness. And yet those words express exactly what God intends to do. He wants to make us fully human right now. And these words, consecration, conformity, Christ-likeness, they, they express how God carries out this restoration in the present. Our, our Reformed tradition has long seen this to be the case. For example, John Calvin in his Institutes put it this way. Um, he said, to wake us more effectively, Scripture shows that God the Father, as he has reconciled himself to us in his Son, has in him stamped for us the likeness to which he would have us conform. Christ, through whom we return into favor with God, has been set before us as an example whose pattern we ought to express in our lives. Did you hear it? Calvin talks in terms of us being conformed to Christ's image, of being Christ-like. That's what God's intention is. God intends for us to be truly and fully human. And to that end, Scripture calls us to, to consecration. Now, that's an old word. A previous generation used it all the time. But the word consecration, it simply means to declare something sacred or to dedicate oneself formally in a religious or divine purpose. But what are we called to dedicate? What are we called to set apart as sacred for a religious purpose? Well, well Paul here in Romans 12 actually tells us, he actually gives us a picture of what consecration looks like. Central to everything he says in these two verses, if you strip away the modifiers and you, you take the clauses away, what Paul is saying is this, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a sacrifice. Present your body a sacrifice. That, that's the basic summary of consecration. And really, it's a basic summary of, of the regular daily Christian life. Our, our bodies are to be dedicated as sacred to God, dedicated for His purpose. We are to present to God all that we have and all that we are, all of our longings, all of our desires, all of our eating and drinking, all of our physical recreations and our bodily working. I mean, that's what Paul was getting at at 1 Corinthians 6. We talked about 1 Corinthians 6 last time, but there, remember, Paul said, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You see, our very bodies were cleaned by Christ. Our bodies were purchased with his blood. And so our response is to present them, to dedicate them, to consecrate them. So that means for a Christian, we can't pursue whatever direction our sexual desires, whatever direction our sexual attractions lead us. 
Now, it very well may be that because of the effects of the fall, we may feel sexual desire for someone of the same sex. And it very well may be that we feel uneasy with our maleness or femaleness. We may wonder, we may even fantasize about what it would be like to, to be different. But, but the solution step is not to cave into those desires. The solution step is not to identify with them so that we identify ourselves as a gay Christian or as faithfully LGBT. No, actually it's because we belong to God in Christ, because our bodies have been purchased with Jesus' blood, that we are to consecrate ourselves, to dedicate our bodies to God, our entire selves in fact, both body and soul. And when we do so, when we, when we dedicate, when we present our body with all that we are and all that we have, including our desires, including our longings, we demonstrate a holy determination to live as those we actually are, namely redeemed by Christ. You see that determination in these verses, especially in, in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so verse 2 gives you a picture of what a holy determination to, to belong to God looks like, to be consecrated looks like. Negatively, it means we are not conformed to this world or to this age. Uh, why don't we let this age conform us? Why do we not let this age squeeze us into its mold? Well, because we don't belong to it anymore. Christ has redeemed us from the traditions of men, not with silver and gold, 1 Peter 1, but with the precious blood of Christ. And because we don't belong to this world system, this age and the way it thinks, because we've been purchased by the blood of Christ, because we've been redeemed body and soul, we renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, Titus 2. We, we flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. In other words, we're determined not to think about our sexual desires, not to think about our attractions the way this age tells us to think about them. I mean, this age simply tells us you are what you desire, so go pursue whatever you desire. Pursue who you are. But, but Scripture tells us, no, actually, all that you are has been bought by Christ. So don't pursue who you are. Present yourself to Him. All that you have, all that you are. Why does that make sense to us? It's because negatively we aren't conformed to this age. We're not squeezed into the mold of this world. But positively, we are being transformed in our minds by the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, He writes God's law upon our hearts. He, he translates our prayers before the Father. He persuades us again and again of, of the gospel of God's mercy. And as the Spirit is at work in our hearts and lives, we're being transformed. You see, as we are consecrated as we are dedicated to God by presenting our bodies to him, as we, are, as we are determined not to be conformed to this age, but to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, 
what we find is we are being transformed and being conformed to God's image in Jesus. You see, to be fully human beings, or excuse me, to be fully restored human beings means looking like the one truly perfect human being the world's ever seen. It, it, it means Christ-likeness. And, and so the Spirit renews our minds so that our inward persons begin to reflect His image. This language of, of reflecting Christ's image, it actually takes us back to Ephesians 4 earlier, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, we, we, we saw this language from Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24, where we were called to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And so how, how are we to live differently as true human beings reflecting Christ's likeness and true righteousness and holiness? Well, well, through a holy determination to put off the old ways dominated by our lying desires and to put on new ways of living that look and smell and taste like Jesus. Because conformity to Christ's image is what it looks like to be truly human, to be truly righteous, to be truly holy. And that's God's ultimate purpose for us. Paul tells us in, in Romans 8, this is what God is up to. This is his purpose. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Did you hear it? God's destination for you, the destination that he purposed before time began, is that, is that you would be conformed to Christ's own image, that, you and me, that we would be Christ-like. And that so that Jesus would have so many brothers and sisters that bear the family resemblance, fully human, fully the way we ought to be, reflecting his glory, bearing his character in this world. And, and God will accomplish that purpose. He will accomplish that purpose in you. God will make you fully human because, because in the end, that's why Christ came. He came in order that he might restore us. As we saw this morning, he, he would go to such lengths because of his great love for you that he might restore you. And Jesus restores us in such a way that we come to see Christ as, as for us and in us and with us. You see, Jesus restores us as the one who is Christ for us. His life is for us. His obedience for us. His death was for us. His resurrection for us. His ascension was for us. All that Jesus came to do wasn't for himself at all. It was completely and wholly for us. But he also does this restoration work, not simply as Christ for us, but also Christ in us. In Colossians 1, Paul calls us the glory of the mystery, namely Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
By, by Christ's own spirit dwelling in us, we have a taste of glory now. And that glory consists in a power to obey, in power to praise, in power to give, power to sacrifice, power to say no to our desires, power to say yes to Jesus, all because Christ is in us. But Jesus restores us as fully human, not only because he's Christ for us and Christ in us, but also because he is Christ with us. When we are faithless, he is faithful. When we doubt, he reminds. When we sin, he forgives. When we weep, he comforts. When we run, he chases us down. He never leaves us never forsakes us because he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. We may change our minds, but Jesus never changes his mind about us. He's the one who is our great companion. He is with us. And because Christ is for us, Christ is in us, and Christ is with us, he will accomplish his purpose. He'll accomplish it now. And in conforming us to his image as we present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, and he will accomplish it from now until the last day. As Paul tells us in Philippians 1.6, that, that he is persuaded that he will accomplish his purpose in us all the way to the last day. And on that last day, when the dead in Christ shall rise and we are completely restored and we are fully human, we will not gaze at our glorious bodies. We will not wonder at our restored minds, at our well-regulated desires, at our well-ordered wills. We'll not look at each other and enjoy the beauty in the male and female, in the counterparts that, that will continue on in the new heavens and new earth. We, we won't reflect on our, on our earthly callings on how our, our various callings as, as husbands and wives or as fathers and mothers and children or as workers in God's world or, or as, 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 uh, as worshipers in God's, among God's people, we won't reflect on any of how, of how those callings went. We'll not wonder what we did in the past, nor will we wonder at what we'll do in the future in the new heavens and new earth. No, on that last day, when we are fully restored, we will lift our voices together in perfect pitch and glorious harmony, and we will sing, all glory be to Christ. Because he alone has done this. Through his divine purpose, his incarnation, his obedience, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his intercession, his return, he has restored us. He will restore us so that we will be the way we ought to be. The way we were designed to be at the very beginning. We will be glory reflectors in the holy temple. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. To be fully restored. To be fully human. But we can taste it now. We can taste it now. As those consecrated as those conformed to Christ's image, as those who lift up our voices to praise, we can taste a little bit, especially in the worship of God's people, of what it means to be human. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please?